Hello, I am the host of Shifting Culture, Joshua Johnson. I just want to come on before the episode and tell you all thank you for listening. Did you know that big things are coming for Shifting Culture and you can be a part of it? We have just launched a Patreon. When you become a monthly patron to the show, you will get our episode ad-free, get early access to episodes, be able to download episode guides, and get bonus shows. Go to patreon.com slash shifting culture to support all that we are doing. Your support means that we can continue to help the body of Christ look more like Jesus. Again, go to patreon.com slash shifting culture. Thank you so much. Now, on to the episode. Hello and welcome to the Shifting Culture podcast in which we have conversations about the culture we create and the impact we can make. I'm your host, Joshua Johnson. In this episode, Rich Robinson shares about kingdom movements, being rooted and grounded in our relationship with Jesus, and how to be good news to the culture around us. Rich is the team leader for Catalyst Change, which provides training and coaching for church leaders, network leaders, and entrepreneurs. I know you're going to enjoy this interview. I know I did. So let's get to it. All right. Welcome, Rich. And welcome to the Shifting Culture Podcast. How's it going? Yeah, doing well. Thanks for having me. Looking looking forward to it, Joshua. Yeah, I'm really excited about this conversation. Um, Yeah, when I'm I'm looking at at you and, and where you fit right now, it seems like you're all over the map when it comes to entrepreneurial um ideas, um, working with Movement Leaders Collective, Creo, uh, doing a lot of different things with Christian leaders around the world. Uh, how did you start to get into really movement, movement dynamics, organizational change, leadership? Um, where did this come from? Yeah, great question. Um, really, I became a Christian in the midst of a very dynamic environment. So it it was a local church uh, in a Mm. city in England, but it was really far more a a missions base, a training school. Um, So Mm. less than 1% church attendance in the city. So it really was a kind of build it and they will come, they'll never come. So I I became, (laughs) became a Christian really with this dynamic of open the Bible around the table over food with non-Christians. It was more incarnational rather than attendance, Um, had some wonderful mentors and leaders. And so really my schooling and and my sort of formation in my twenties was, was in an environment where those dynamics of entrepreneurship, innovation, movements, that the fivefold ministry, discipleship, leadership were, were really present. So in one sense, my formation was, in that world and then also it's probably just the way that i'm wired so yeah i would be apostolic in in the fivefold more more pauline so it's frontiers it's drive forward it's innovation i love to experiment love to be on those fuzzy edges and sort of prototyping <laughs> things and making them and breaking them and piecing them together again and just learning and and then being able to pass that learning on to others so it's probably a combination of a little bit of nature and a little bit of nurture in me that put, puts me in this place right now. We often, you know, disciple others the way that we were discipled. And so it often flows that way. Um, and so 
you know, in my in my line of work, what I'm trying to do is to to get people to, into a different paradigm of the discipleship that they've been through growing up in a church environment. Um, and you actually had something that was relatively easy for you to keep going and pursuing innovation, uh, kingdom expansion. Um, how do you get to a place where now that you're working with Christian leaders to, instead of having them be discipling others in the way that they were discipled, how do you get people to start to think innovatively um, with, when it comes to kingdom work? I, I think probably there's, I mean, there's many different answers to that question, many different ways ways to come about it. Um, I think one is that it they have to have a God moment. So it, mm. it cannot it cannot be uh, the latest fads or uh, an organizational yeah. edict or a, an insecurity or a, a drive or a charisma for something different. That it has to be God ordained, God infused, and so there there really is that moment of revelation or repentance where we mm. we receive truth and turn away from what was and turn towards what is. So I think that the mystery of being a Christian is we can't manage, can't put God in a box. There's no system. So yeah. we have, we have the blueprint of scripture. We have the empowering of the Holy spirit, but actually we have to look for where God's at work. So what one answer is, how do you position those leaders as best you can for yeah. them to encounter God is, is probably point number one. Mm. Um, the, the other way is that, that often it's actually that we act our way into a new way of thinking. So the danger is if it's just yeah, trying good. to get our head around concepts, it's sort of, yeah, yes, I understand that, Joshua. Yes, I understand that. Yeah. But actually, we're just taking the idea and filtering it through an old paradigm, which often means we come up with old, old conclusions. Right. Yeah. And we actually need to disrupt, almost, almost disrupt <laughs> ourselves with our behavior. Yeah. And so often when I'm helping people to, to experience something different, as well as imagine something different, that the experience comes before imagination. So it, it, and you see that in the Gospels. Often Jesus is explaining to the disciples what just happened rather than front loading them with information and saying it's going to look like this and then you're going to do this and it's going to be. Blah, blah. So I think probably the other way of, of helping people to live into a new paradigm is actually practice their way into it so we just say where is there a, a simple experiment or a pilot where is there one practice where is there a place where you can begin to explore and feel your way into this and then it's it's reflective learning as you take intentional practice moving forward yeah i think that's huge and it's something that we we're not very good at um we often think that you know hey Life with Jesus is an intellectual game, um, and it's not just an intellectual game. We have to do that practice and do the work. Um, and things that we're going to discover, the truth of who Jesus is, the truth of what God does in this world, is often going to hit us, the place. That's where we're going to have our, our God moments. It's often in the in the little things of life, in the mundane of life, where God impacts us and reaches us and touches us and speaks to us. Um, but we're not often looking for that. Um, and so I think, you know, what we need to do is figure out how do we live in a space where we're living on mission um, and not just living with a intellectual thought of who God is. Um, so it's the practice. 
And I know that you try and live on mission with your family um, and not just individually, but all together. What does that look like as a family to live on mission, to practice this and to get out into the into the world? Yeah, great, great question, Joshua, because you're absolutely right. We we've made discipleship far more a 21st century educational pursuit. Yep rather than a first century experiential it really is an experience rather than just an educational process and so we've tried to do that with our kids i mean nobody's perfect we're not perfect parents we're not the model and the only model so but what we found very early on and again being discipled mentored by others was if we want our kids to pray we can tell them about prayer we can help them to understand conceptually and intellectually what prayer is we can buy them a prayer coloring book or (laughs) an app or or whatever or send them to the youth team to tell them how to pray but actually they're going to pray if they see mom and dad pray and they pray with mom and dad so it's it's immersion and it's experience and it's educate it's it's the education coming through apprenticeship rather than just through the the sort of classroom or the concept so um so we we would try and have as we say we have rhythm rhythms of prayer so we're able to connect and and prayer is really then the fuel for mission you can't do mission without prayer and you you can't do prayer without mission they're intertwined and connected so we, we would have rhythms of prayer we would then have rhythms of community and so obviously they, they've been slightly disrupted with global pandemics and yeah. uh, what, what was sort of hospitality people in our home has now become walks on the beach or campfires or, or yeah. sort of socially distanced this and that. So obviously the last 12 months has been hugely challenging, but, but then you have to pivot and, and innovate. So there's rhythms of community and that's both community with Christians but yep. also community that then we're able to invite those that don't know Jesus into. So it's not just into our nuclear family, but it's into our extended family. And so we have a, another family that live in our local neighborhood that, that we try and connect with each other's people of peace, serve each other's neighborhoods. They live in a slightly different part of our, our neighborhood. Um, and then what we're trying to do is to, to seek to be good news in our community. And so we say, where are we good news where there's bad news? So we, we live in this, this little seaside t- sort of part of a capital city. So Edinburgh is capital city, but we live just the other side off on the coast. And so it's this sort of funny mm. mix of very middle class, very poor kind of bohemian spiritual kind of thing. And so lots of people come. Everyone has a dog who lives in Portobello and people that come just leave litter. So what's bad news? What's bad news in Portobello? Dog poo and litter. So as again some of the things we've said we've done we've done beach cleans we've done street cleans because that's good news and it's not Mm. us as christians serving everyone like christian social services but it's actually we put it on the community facebook and the community can join us to do to do the clear up so it's some practical things like that it's it's being good news to people of peace so that might be sharing lifts that might be sharing coffee that might be sharing the ups and downs of of whatever in life so it's looking for those opportunities um and then it's finding places where it's authentic so it's it's not just trying to get them to an event but it's trying to find experiences that are authentic and so that looks different for us in our local neighborhood than it does in other cities other countries other cultures so there's no formula or, or kind of to-do list it's far more this is a principle how does this look contextualized as a practice yeah 
I think that's that's so important for any family or any person is to to learn to live on purpose. Um, and you know, when I think when people grow up in a place where they have a purpose, they have something that's greater than themselves or greater than their nuclear family, uh, they're going to be transformed by that purpose. Uh, and, and so I think we have to live on purpose. What does that look like to live on purpose? Um, there's a couple of things that you've said, you know, as you're walking with your family, as you're working with Christian leaders, you, you said, you know, we have to see what God is doing in a place. And then you also said, we have to see what is good news for this area. Um, and so as we enter into a community or a culture, what are the what are some steps to see what God is doing to see what is good news for the people that we are encountering? Uh, yeah, well, um, in in the UK, there was a, a a historic government campaign to teach children how to cross the road, and it was called the green the green cross code. Um, and so what what it was was you had this little strap line which said you stop, look, and listen. Mm-hmm. And so when you cross the road, you you walk to the edge of the road and stop on the pavement, the sidewalk, you listen for any traffic, and then you look both ways. And if you stop, look and listen, then you can cross the road safely. Mm-hmm. And that, that was that was the mantra for <laughs> little little kids and kind of public service broadcasts yeah. and parents and all that kind of stuff. Um, but but I often say that's the best way to engage a community. Often we approach a community as Christians with a head down, run, hope we don't get hit by a truck and make it to the other side and kind of disappear and bump our way into the community, actually, rather than just stop. So actually look and listen before you speak an offer. So we're often offering solutions to problems that aren't there or offering answers to questions that aren't being asked. so stop, look and listen is actually look around. Where are the places of gathering, the places of pain? What do people celebrate? Mm. What do they complain about? Look and see and observe and listen. So how do you find out what bad news is, good news is you ask? Like what, what sucks? What would you change? What do you not like? What do you love? Just ask questions. So learn the culture, learn the, learn the context by asking, dialoguing and, and just beginning to build a mosaic and then you're able to say, well, actually, this this is where I see God at work, or this is where I see a place of pain or deficit, or th- this is something that that's a celebration or a connection point that I I can partner with and be and be part of. So, um, yeah, we we sort of know know our community. There's a sort of a value on the outdoors, a value on family, but also a pain point around family. There's there's a lot of of, of divorce and pain within the families in our neighbourhood. There's Lots of dog poop, lots of litter. Um, there's kind of there's battle over local green space. There's lots of different things. It's very spiritual. So you can kind of learn to write poetry, ride a unicycle or do Reiki healing and anywhere and everything in between. So you, you just have to know, know your community first. So I think stop, look and listen is probably the, the, the mantra that I have. That then you, you know how to cross the road in, in a more authentic way. That's really good. We often forget to shut up and ask questions and listen, right? And so, I mean, (laughs) we're really bad at it. Uh, And it's a skill that we have to learn. Uh, It's something that we have to get into a practice of. And how how do we get better at the skill of listening, asking questions? 
Yeah, that's very good. And, and probably that goes back, Joshua, to the one of the first questions you asked of how do you help people change when, yeah. when you're trying to help them to, to do something or live something or be something different? Um, I, I think the, the muscle memory of, of Christendom and the centrality of the church and the significance of the church and it's so, so deep within mm-hmm. us. And, yeah. and we, we chart history and years by the birth of Jesus. It's AD and, and BC. So Jesus is the focal point for history. Yep. But yet right now, he is not the axis of culture within the context that we find ourselves in. And obviously you're in a North American context. I'm in a European context and we, we both have a, a global relational network. So we, yep. we know the, the different dynamics of different parts of the world. Um, and so I think understanding that our, our muscle memory is so deep to feel as though we are in charge or to feel like we have something of such value that we want to give it to people. But actually the way, the way that we interact and the way that we can give can actually neuter the message rather Mm -hmm. than, rather than open people to the message. So how do we get better? Um, We pray and we practice is, is often (laughs) very, very simplistically. We say, Jesus help me with this because you can't do it in your own strength. And then you just practice. And so actually I, if, if you're part of a church or a church plant or a team or a community, practice on each other. Like mm. it, then if there's a bit of friendly fire, you've, you've, you've not lost anything. So if you're actually able to say, well, let, let's for a couple of weeks, just practice listening to each other, practice asking questions. And so grow that, that muscle memory and those reps, yeah. because what, what, what I talk about is you move from a discipline to a habit, to a lifestyle so a discipline is intentionally doing the right thing. So yeah. I'm intentionally going to ask questions. So that might be as simple as what in, I talk a lot. You know that I talk a lot, Joshua. <laughs> um, when, when I'm trying to discipline myself to allow space for others to lead, and, and it may be a team member that I know needs to lead the meeting, I have imaginary in my head three chips and I get to say three things in the meeting. I get to put my three chips on the table. And so the discipline for me is mm, that's good. Keep your mouth shut <laughs> and you get to say three things because I need that. So, so there's a discipline intentionally. Yep. Then it becomes a habit. So we usually most of the time our, our, our instinct isn't fully there and it's yep. not subconscious. But we most of the time we do a good job and it mm. finally arcs towards natural it finally asks becomes a lifestyle so i'm i'm naturally curious inquisitive i naturally question before i answer i naturally listen and seek to understand before i seek to be understood so it comes we'd all love to run a marathon but it starts with going for a jog <laughs> like we'd, we'd all right. run we'd all love to do this this and this but actually it has to start with discipline and that discipline is rooted in prayer and rooted in intention. So li- living on purpose and living with a purpose was what mm. you said. I totally agree. Now, I'm really interested. I got my master's in social entrepreneurship. It's really a passion to see what does it look like for Christians to go into a community um, with a business, a social uh, good, a social organization, and create some holistic change. Um, what are the steps? What are the things that you do in that space? Yeah, well, 
Creo, Creo is one of the initiatives of our charity Catalyze Change. And so, as you said, there's there's different different hats that I wear. One of them is is Creo. So at the heart and the hope that we have as a charity, really the overarching and undergirding call I have is to is to release kingdom potential in leaders. Mm-hmm. And that that sense of releasing kingdom potential in leaders is for the good of others. It's yep. to advance the common good. It's to bring social, systemic, spiritual change. It's to really see the, the kingdom embodied and extended. It's not release potential in leaders to build a bigger platform or a bigger following or a better bottom line or, mm. or whatever. So so Creo is there to, to connect, resource and train Christian entrepreneurs entrepreneurs to advance the common good so uh, similar language we talk about social strategic and spiritual change and the strategic we inter inter kind of <laughs> mingle with with systemic so i, I sometimes yeah. i'll say systemic change because we actually want the whole system to shift and we want it to be generational sometimes mm. it's strategic change which is actually bringing about a change that does shift right. the system but it that's that's the deal um in that space, Joshua, what, what we're seeking to do is to help connect people's passion with the, with the world's problems. And so there often is that, that fuzzy edge of, should I plant a church? Should I start a business? Should I lead a charity? And, and there's the, the entrepreneurial drive and mark that people have. Yeah. They often pick, pick a lane and it's sort of, I'm entrepreneurial, I'll plant a church, or I'm entrepreneurial, I'll start a business, or I'm entrepreneurial, I'll start a charity, a 501c3, a social enterprise. And and I think what I've observed is that the the coming generation, the sort of under 30s, don't like lanes, don't have boxes. There's an integrated worldview of Sunday and Monday are, they're they're two days of the week, rather than one is more important than the other. and, And actually it's just as important as what I do in, with my relationships as my resources. So uh, good. Is, is it a church? Is it a business? Is it both? It, yeah. it looks a bit like, and, and so it's that sense of, well, is it a church plant or a nonprofit? And so th- there's, there's a sense of these boxes be, beginning to be sort of take, taken down blurred edges moving forward. And so what we're trying to do is to say, if you're running a business, how does it feel and how does it have the, the echoes and ethos of a charity? And if you're running a charity, how does it have the, the sharpness and the, the caliber of a business? And actually, how do you blur the lines between spiritual, social, and strategic? Yeah, you talked a little bit about strategic uh, change, uh, systemic change. Oftentimes we go and we see a problem and we go down to the problem and try to, to change something um, and that's not where we want to start. If we want to see strategic or systemic change, we want to go upstream to the original spot where the problem originates. How do we how do we see that um, and tackle those problems uh, in an upstream place, and not where the you uh, see the the change the problem? Yeah, good question, Joshua. I- Toyota have a five question policy. So they continue to ask the why question to dig down. Why, mm. why, why, why? And a five, lo- all five of their questions. Why, why, yeah, why? Yeah. Why, so where you, you kind of, if, <laughs> if so, yeah, that's it. You're Because yeah. what they'll do is they'll say, if something's broken on the production line, it's what, what's going on. And yeah. then they uh, then, but actually, why has that happened? Why has that happened? So it, it really is the kind of going upstream the, the yeah. more you drill down in those questions. 
Um, and I do, I do think, Joshua, a lot of it is about questions. So we see a problem and we want to fix it, but actually, right. absolutely, it might be we need to create a breakfast club for kids that aren't being fed. Absolutely, that yeah. is a need, a need to be met. But then going deeper than that to think through family and education and government funding and the church's engagement mm. and all of yeah. these different things that actually build a bigger, better picture of actually this, if we help here, or we work out how to empower here, right. it helps there. And it so helps all the way down the line. Absolutely. And so and what one of the one of the pieces that we always talk about is what is an empowering solution mm. rather than rather than a quick fix. So often we we will step in and fix something. And yep. in the short term it's better, but actually we've not empowered the people involved or we've not shifted the system to empower the people involved. And so absolutely in, in Creo, what we're wanting to do is to not just help entrepreneur Christian entrepreneurs build a product mm. or deliver a service, but we're actually helping them to think through their values. We do a, a whole module, a whole week in our ex, nine week accelerator and a whole month in our nine month lab around imagination and innovation to actually say beyond just the impact you want to make, how do you dream a three to five year picture of the future that's beyond just I've launched this, I've scaled this, I've, I've started this, I've made, made a difference here. So definitely, I think thinking through the mystery, another frame that we use is the, the Psalm 23, Valley of the Shadow of Death, the yeah. greener pasture. So actually, rather than just how do we survive the valley, it's what do we do and how do we dream the greener pasture? What does three to five years down the line really look like that gives us a north star to actually work for and then if you think five years from now it's not just we fixed one problem in the next six months it's far far bigger than that yeah it's huge and it gives us hope in the middle of the valley i think a lot of people give up in the messy middle um yes, and they're definitely. like oh, it's too hard i don't see the you know the promised land on the other side i don't see where i came from i'm just stuck right here in the middle i'm looking around what's happening and so that that says how we're actually going for it how do you help people in the messy messy middle to to continue to walk it out and have hope that there is going to be change on the other end yeah you you have to continue to have some sense of future so there ha the, the future and the vision of the greener pasture has to be worth the valley. The, the promise of the promised land yeah. needs to be worth it, the, the travail in the desert. So number one is helping people to remember why they got into this in the first place. So the, the cucumbers of Egypt look awfully, <laughs> awfully good <laughs> rather than the, the mythical right. milk and honey of the promised land. So yeah. it, it's far easier to go back. So remembering the journey is worth it because of the, the vision and the destination, the North Star. So the first mm -hmm. one is help people to remember the why yep. is that vision. Um, the second is that we are braver together. So mm -hmm. it is almost impossible to survive individually. So try trying to kind of pick yourself up, dust yourself down, G yourself up, keep yourself going, keep, 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 keep. 
is almost impossible. So who who's your tribe? Who who are your people? Who's your three and your twelve in terms of core team? Who's praying for you? Who's encouraging mm. you? Who who picks you up and kicks you, as well as cheers you on? So the the who's with you is is important. Um, that's the and, that's an American myth of the solo entrepreneur. Right? Yes. Just... Oh yes. It's <laughs> it, myth. Myth doesn't do it justice. I I would probably have slightly ha harsher harsher language for it, Joshua, that I couldn't share publicly. Um, yeah. I I honestly think um so so obviously the parable of the four soils is a very well-known yeah. parable but the the story that is told just after that of the the farmer that sows the seed mm. the enemy comes at night and then that the the crop grows and the weeds are so close to the to the, the yeah. crop that the servants say should we just pull everything he says no you can't pull everything out there's this there's this mm. weed that's the counterfeit and at yeah. the right time you pull it away and and i often say that when god sows a seed the enemy sows a counterfeit yeah and and so that that for me the, the solo heroic entrepreneur is is one of the counterfeit seeds because we are called to greatness we are yep. called to a hero's journey but the journey is in community and mm. for the good of the community. Yeah. It isn't on our own for our benefit. And so this, this sort of just counterfeit on the side will just, just drift mm, us away good. and we, we just lose it. So we do need to continue to dare greatly and courageously attempt wonderful things for God, but it's with others and for the good of others, not mm. for our own acclaim and our own platform. So, yeah, I, I do think that second space of with others and for the good of others is vital. And then the third thing, Joshua, is just um, I always say stick to the stick to the plan. <laughs> like you, you do do the last thing that God told you to do until you hear differently. And and, yeah. and it really is that sense of one like the state. The saying is one foot in front of the other. Um, so you kind of look up, know where the North Star is, and then look down and just take the next step. So sometimes the most courageous thing you can do is just take one next step. Again, one of the myths is of that charismatic visionary right. who always has the right answers and yeah. always knows it's going to work and kind of, and actually often the people who shaped history, if you found them in the moment, they would go, I don't know what I'm doing or I don't know the, the impact, but I'm, I'm just being faithful. I know what I'm doing. And often history charts them as we look back as great heroes and high points. But often those people in the midst of it, it doesn't feel it. like a high point when they you're in the it. midst of it. Nope. Yeah, they don't know it at all. And that faithfulness. Uh, yeah, just yesterday I was. I was contemplating and I was I was trying to appreciate my wife. It was her birthday. And while I was thinking about what I love about my wife is that she is faithful to put one step in front of the other. Yes. In the darkness and the difficulty and the place where she doesn't feel like it's worth it. Like, but she's going to put one step in front of the other and she's faithful. And people see that faithfulness. She often doesn't see it. Um, yeah. And she doesn't see the impact that she's having. Um, but we all need to have that faithful one step in front of the other. And if we're going to do that, we could really change the world. It's not just this hyperbole that, you know, if we get into the space, everything's going to be good. I, oftentimes in my line of work as in, in missions, Missionaries go out and, you know, think, hey, we're going to change the world. And they have that high as they start. And then 
it's quickly into the valley yes. and they are just lost. And so this is really helpful to walk people through yeah. what does it look like to stay within the valley and go into the other side, which is greener pastures. Um, and as we're in that messy middle, you talked a little bit about, the, you know, an integrated space, integrated community. What is the interplay between faith uh, and social entrepreneurship work, business, civic duty, um, government? What is the interplay of all, all of this? Because I think we all need to, to press forward so we can see systemic change. Yeah, and, and this this would be my my opinion and my worldview, Joshua. Di different people would express it very differently. Um, I think for me, if the gospel isn't good news to every strata of society and every yeah. nook and cranny of our city, then for me, it's not the fullness of the gospel. And if Jesus, yeah. if Jesus yeah, isn't right. good, if Jesus isn't good news to anyone and everyone in our city, um, then we've missed something of who Jesus is. And so. From my perspective, there's no sacred secular divide or yep. church and marketplace or individual or communal. We, we are called to be a peacemaking presence. We're called to bring and shift spiritual transformation and shift the spiritual temperature. We're, we're called to bring social change to the, the forgotten, the last, the least, the lost, the, the alien, the widow, the orphan. Um, mm. And so, so from my perspective, we're all called to have that worldview, that yeah. holistic worldview of, of Jesus at the centre, like re-Jesusing our cities. Yeah. But actually, each of us in Ephesians, each of us plays our part. So we're not all called to live and function and have influence in every part of our city. Right. We need to find our plots, our, our place to farm, our place to sow seeds, to water, to pray for God's growth in that space. And so that might be um, the school gates. It might be an office. Yep. It might be a local government position. It, it may be as a church planter. It, it may, may be as um, a coach for a local football team. Like there's numerous different ways that we can be good news within the strata and within the, the culture of our, our society and our city. And so it's looking, it's, having the worldview of, yeah. of spiritual and social transformation and then finding our part to play within it. Wow. Yeah, I think that's good. And that goes back to the need for a community, the need to do it with others and not just a look at what I'm doing. I'm really good. This is great. <laughs> uh, but we have to see this holistic change in communities and it's through community. It's through a communal experience. I mean, we're, we're meant to be part of the body of Christ um, yeah. and not just an individual part of that body. Um, I'm just, you know, a sliver on the, on the pinky, but I need, you know, everything, everybody else. And then we could be pretty dynamic as yeah. a, as a community. Um, you know, as something I've been, been trying to work out is what kingdom movements really look like um, so what do they look like on the ground? Can you give me some examples of, of really cool kingdom movements that you've seen? Yeah, I, I would say there's, there's a couple of ways that I would mark movements. So one of the ways is we use the MDNA written mm -hmm. by Alan Hirsch in, in The Forgotten Ways. And so these different elements. So Jesus is Lord. So yeah. a kingdom movement has Jesus at the center discipleship and disciple making it has the energy and the ethos of discipleship and disciple making 
missional incarnational impulse. So a kingdom movement is going out to the edges, to the lost, yeah. to the last, the least, and actually staying, not attracting back or transactioning, but actually incarnational. Apes, there's a full mobilization of the people of God. It's not professionalized or a few doing work of the many. It's yeah. everyone involved. Organic systems, so it's simple, scalable, reproducible, and self-replicating. And then liminality, communitas, that sense of risk and displacement and really a camaraderie, not just a, a social club kind of feel. And so yeah. that's one of the marks of, of kingdom movement we would talk about. The other is really that there's a shared purpose mm-hmm. and shared values and shared practices. So there's a building of relationship, a building of culture, and a building of momentum to see the good news of Jesus impacting a, a people group or, or a place. And so they would be the marks of movement. And yep. there is no, as we said, there's no sort of movement school or quick fix or plug and play <laughs> solution to get movement. You don't kind of yeah. put, it's not like a recipe where you put all these things in. They really are marks that we're, we're really praying for and positioning ourselves to partner, partner with, with God at work. And so in Creo, we're seeking to spark those movements through Christian entrepreneurs And then in the Movement Leaders Collective, really trying to create a collaborative environment for people who've been courageous enough and daft enough to dream those visions and to to step out into them. So we've we've seen some incredible kingdom movements. So some some movements in the context of the UK where there is movements within the context within refugees. So those that are coming and and seeking asylum and refugee status. And so there would be ministry to them. But far more than that, actually, the equipping. And so in terms of some of the areas of employment, small business, um, care, so churches mobilized, but also this co-creation of those those within that that world themselves being able to to lead in context, Um, doing some work in, in Asia. So again, being able to come alongside some wonderful Christian entrepreneurs Mm. and again, even pre-COVID, there was some wonderful work going on in the context of community empowerment. And in the last 12 months, in the last 12 weeks, just incredible sacrificial love in the context of huge disruption and, and pain. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, and, and I, I I could go on. The, the, one of the privileges I have is just to be able to, to cheer on and encourage some incredible leaders. Mm. So um, I, I think one thing I would say the joy of kingdom movement is that often we can name it by looking backwards right. rather rather than by speaking of the status quo. So I, I would believe that there are some leaders that I know who you wouldn't know the name of and they wouldn't yep. want you want you to know the name <laughs> of. And they, they would they would go after me if I mentioned their name right now <laughs> on here. Uh, but they're the heroes like your wife who yep. are faithfully putting one foot in front of the other. And I know God is using them. But what I see is they are positioning not to have a ministry that is their influence, but they are investing in leaders who invest in leaders who invest in leaders. Um, And there really is that sense of movement being self-replicating and self-generating. So it's actually generating and replicating itself, quite self-organizing as well. And that's talk about the messy middle that's yeah. the mess that's the messy edge um yep. and so movements obviously and almost always look on the edge of order and chaos and this sort of i think it's working is it no it's not and so that that's the joy i think most kingdom movements i see look both deeply significant mm. and feel they have a resonance of significance 
but they also have a vulnerability of is this really it and is it working and slightly chaotic so that that that's the mark of this sort of resonance and depth and solidity but chaos and creativity and when you feel the mix of those two that that's when you know there's something movemental in the mix yeah and it sounds like you know as leaders are are influencing leaders or influencing leaders and others and you creating this movement on the outside if you're looking at something in that chaos and you're looking there's all sorts of of things happening and it looks exciting and it looks like well i want to be a part of this this is really an amazing thing but on the inside, it, it actually seems really mundane. Um, and it's like the hard work of apprenticing people, of being with others uh, as they're taking two steps forward, one step back. They're, you know, we're discipling in, into the hard places of, of their marriage and their work life, their life with Jesus. Um, you know, how do we as leaders walk that out and know that movements are often mundane, but if we set things up in the right way, we're going to see large scale change on the other end. Well, let's have that conversation <laughs> in, in 20 years, Joshua, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see whether the, this answer right now holds the test of time. Um, I, I think, it has to be it it has to be both and this is a paradoxical answer yeah it in my opinion it has to be both about you and jesus jesus and you and it has to always be about other people and and so they they're sort of slightly contradictory paradoxical but what what i mean by it is that if I'm not ministering from the overflow, if if my leadership isn't undergirded by my discipleship, if what I'm sharing with others, I'm not wrestling with myself, if it's not sort of testimony, it's merely yeah. tactics, then that that grows cold, that grows old, that that yeah. can can go quite quickly. So I think in one sense, how, how do you keep going? you walk faithfully with Jesus as a disciple that that's the sort of lowest common denominator the yeah. kind of core, core unit DNA is is you, you you stay in love with Jesus you continue to allow him to woo you and you pursue him so so that's one side I I think yeah. and then the flip side is you always seek to lose your life for Jesus and the good of good of others so so the call to discipleship is to deny yourself pick up your cross and follow me and that that is that sense of I lose my life and I find it. And so how do you continue to give your life away and lose your life for Jesus, lose your life for others? And so that that for me comes to the question of I, I would probably say if you pushed me that that actually faithfulness is the goal. Yeah. And and movement is a byproduct. Yeah. If, if we're faithful that the outcomes of whether it's one person or 10,000 people, it's actually God's domain, not our domain. And, yeah. and the, the minute I start to measure or, or pursue a quantity or, a, or yeah. an, a, a, whatever that be, I, I think we've probably fall, fallen at the first hurdle in terms of actually this this is about faithfulness and about a, a, of an authentic expression of who you are as a disciple. Mm. Um, and then that's extended into any any and all influence that you may may have and may be given. And, and there's a there's a wonderful covenant prayer from the Methodists. So I, I have a Methodist tradition mm -hmm. and, uh, and, the, and the Wesley prayer talk, talks about being um, 
lifted high for you or laid aside for you mm. and I, I freely yield all things into you. and there's just this sense of and it's Paul's words of full or empty like it, it's just yeah. the sense of whatever is going on I, I want to be faithful and I want to be close to you, Jesus. And I want to be, I want to be known by you and, and make you known. And so, yeah, I, I think they'd be my sort of, how do you keep going in the mundane? You you follow Jesus, you walk with him faithfully and, and you encourage others to do the same. Wow, that's good. Well, you know, I do, I see, you know, in your life of, of giving over to Christian leaders that you're a modern day circuit rider. So you're getting on your horse yeah. going to to one one little group and and pouring in then going to the next one uh, yeah you're being a good circuit rider so you're you're a good methodist um <laughs> in the middle of it uh yeah just a couple of questions uh as we we end this uh that i like to to end with um one if you look back on on your life and and you what you know now what advice would you give your 21 year old self Oh, good question. Um, I would probably give it the same as I'm hoping my 60-year-old self gives it, which is mm. stay close to Jesus. Um, I think there is so much distraction, noise, temptation, drift in the world. Just stay close to Jesus would be number one. Um, and number two would be enjoy the moment. Yeah. So my I am... Uh, sort of again Myers-Briggs strength finders Enneagram all, all of these things and my like fivefold it, I'm a sort of strategist futurist yeah. innovator like just new people new frontiers new opportunities and so I one of my greatest strengths which are all of that that list are there that's also my greatest weakness so I can yep. go, go too fast go too hard go too far miss the moment be too intense so I I I know those things now at 40 and I have prayer and counseling and accountability and community and wonderful people that love me and, and kind of ground me and challenge yeah. me and shape, shape, not the edges often shape me, but probably at 21, there was, it was just this sort of mm. ball of energy. Yep. Um, and, and lots of that was good, but there's probably like, like, like a kind of giant great Dane or Labrador jump running around the house. So I think I just kind of go, just calm down, enjoy the moment, love Jesus. It, it'll all come together, that, that kind of yeah. piece. That's good. And then uh, just last, is, is there anything that you've been watching or reading that you would recommend? Oh, I think um, I, I love to read books that stretch me in terms of my thinking. So I've loved uh, Collective Genius, which is, which is around the co collective intelligence. Um, New Power, which is around relational influence. Um, a, the Beautiful Constraint, which is about the, the challenge and opportunity of constraints, which again, for me, given my 21-year-old <laughs> self, is, is, is really helpful. Um, and, and then I, I've, I've consistently come back to strengthening, your, your, strengthening the soul of your leadership. Yeah. Um, and just that sense of how do I continue to, to, to live well? My, my energy is always to the frontier and to yep. innovation and to new and, and actually that sense of, of depth. And so, so reading the classics of, of Peterson and Willard just ground me. Um, and now some yep. of the more modern day classics like that, those, those are true to true to me and for me to, to really ground me. So yeah, but there's, there's, 
lots more I could do, but probably there, there are a few. That's great. Well, Rich, thank you so much uh, for being on today. I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation, and I think it spurred a lot of people on into yeah, greater things. So thanks, Rich. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to see more episodes like this, go to patreon.com slash shifting culture and become a monthly patron of the show. You can help us produce more episodes so that we can see the body of Christ look more like Jesus. If you become a patron on patreon.com slash shifting culture, uh, you will get early access to episodes. You will get episode guides. You will get bonus shows, hopefully, and more. So go to patreon.com slash shifting culture and become a monthly patron. Also leave a rating and review on Apple podcasts. Uh, it really helps us out and helps us find new listeners to the show and just go and share this podcast with your friends, your family, your network, people that you think would enjoy it as well. Thank you again for listening to the show. I hope you have a great week.